Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to Trinity. Really glad that we could be together even if we're in separate spaces. My name is Matthew. I'm the parish pastor here on the east side. Welcome to church. Let's continue in worship with a reading from the Gospel of John. I'm going to read chapter 14, verses 15 to 21, and then I'll pray and then we'll jump in. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that your uh, movement towards us is motivated by a spirit of advocacy, that your desire is actually to uphold and support and champion us. Lord, you're, you come to us today as a God who is for us, not against us. And Lord, we just pray for the grace and the willingness and the openness and the humility and the submission to believe that and to receive your words spoken to us today as words that are in our best interest because you love us. Help us to receive them as grace, as gift. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're in the same text that we were in last week. We're still in John 14. We're still in the upper room. It's still the Last Supper. It's still the night before his crucifixion. And Jesus is still having a conversation with a room full of discouraged people. People who are watching their community and their aspirations for that community, most specifically their aspirations for Jesus, just sort of unravel right in front of their very eyes. And Jesus begins to say several things to them, all motivi motivated by this desire to comfort troubled hearts. So what we're studying here is this is what Jesus says to a person when he knows that they are in a place of fear and uncertainty and anxiety, uh, panic, disillusionment. This is what Jesus says as a way of comforting and speaking peace over, over troubled waters. And so it comes to us today similarly as Jesus's word of comfort to you and me. No matter where we are, this is what Jesus, I believe, wants to speak over us, and so we receive it uh, as his word. We're just gonna move through it. I have three big ideas that I wanna take out of this uh, text, and the third has sort of a call to response, call to action, but let's, let's um, begin with this where Jesus begins. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the first thing he says is obedience will flow out of love. Obedience to Jesus flows um, out of love. And this is not rocket science. What he's saying essentially is if you, if you know me and you love me, then you'll trust me. If you know me and you love me, then you'll trust me. In fact, the person who wrote this gospel, John, his disciple who was in the room when this was said, uh, picks up this very idea. And when he was writing a letter to a church many years after this, he says essentially the same thing. He says uh, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, now by this, we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. 
We know that we know him if we obey his commandments. And then what are those commandments? Well, John goes on to say, by this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says I abide in him ought to walk just as as he walked. So John is saying, if we know Jesus, we're going to want to do the things that he calls us to do. And what are those things? Those things are to live a life that looks like the life that he lived, to walk in his ways, to be a person who reflects the spirit of Jesus on the earth, regardless of what our circumstances are. And this is what Jesus is saying is going to come out of love for him. And yet I think we have to be honest and acknowledge that a lot of us feel penned in by this idea. Obedience is something that for, for many in our age feels like just a bridge too far. It's one thing to say that I love God or that I like things about God or that I think that these parts of God's character are, are nice. It's another thing entirely to actually give over control of my life and to let another person lead me in that way. And that's because you and I believe, many of us at least, believe that obedience is going to mean a lesser life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a more restricted life. It's going to mean a more bound life. It's, it's going to mean a life where I don't get to say what I want. And, and we are ardently committed to fierce independence, to having say over what I do, because I really don't think anyone else knows what I need the way that I do. I don't think anyone else actually really understands me. And so I have to take care of myself. And if that means cutting corners, if that means taking shortcuts, um, if that means fudging the lines, then so be it. Because what matters is that I actually am able to receive the life or get the life that I, I think I need or must have. And so this idea of obedience, of letting someone lead me feels like a box. And, and I wanna try to stay outside of that box. And so the question just really naturally, like from the beginning for you and me to be asking is, where are the places where I feel in myself resistance to the way of Jesus? What are the things that Jesus offers to you and me as his disciples where he says, this is how you live your life regarding uh, how you love people and treat people and think of others, even your enemies and how you pray and how you devote yourself in life to my father and how you treat your money and how you understand sex and how you treat your body. And this, this, like, this is what it means to follow in my footsteps and to be like me. Where are the places where I feel natural resistance to that? Where something rises up in me, I'm like, no, that's, that's too much. And once I begin to name those things, which are already perfectly clear to God, he's not, he's not on the outside going like, I'm not sure what's going on. He already knows what these things are. And so once, once I begin to just name those things, the next natural question to just go sort of one layer deeper is to ask, what do I believe is true in the heart of Jesus behind that commandment? Like, what do I think is, what is the motive? What is active in Jesus's heart is he calls me to something that right now feels hard. Or another way to say it is, could I believe that what is true in Jesus as he commands me to something that's uncomfortable, what's true about him in this moment is that he desires my freedom, not my bondage. That what he's actually after in me right now is, um, is something that is, is good, that it's more good than what I'm fighting to hold on to. There's this really counterintuitive verse in Psalm 119, which is this really big song in the Bible about how great the Bible is. And uh, at verse 45, it says this, I walk in freedom because I have followed your laws. And that doesn't sound like those connect. I mean, our understanding of freedom is actually the ability to live outside of constraints. And he's saying, because I have followed your law, I live as a free person. And th this is not a, a once 
a one-time thought in the Bible. It's consistent from beginning to end. God is always saying to his people, if you would just listen to me, you actually would have the life you're looking for. Like fish who are rigidly holding on to the dock and saying, you can't make me go into the water. I will choose when I go into the water. And God's like, I made you for water. If you love me, Jesus says, if you know me, if you, if you know me, then you'll trust me. You'll trust that when I say something to you, it's for your good. The second thing Jesus says, and this is probably a little surprising for some of us, but he says, I will not leave you orphaned. And that word has meant a lot to me over the years, um, especially the last several years. Um, not because I am an orphan. I grew up in a family with two wonderful parents and two little brothers, and I've never for one day in my life not had that sort of as a foundation, an unshakable reality. And it's one of the many ways that I just feel deeply privileged. Um, that I, I don't know what it's like to not have that sort of like oversight or caretaking. Like I, and yet for lots of people in the world today, they know exactly what that feels like because tangibly that's been their lived family experience to feel sort of on their own. And what's true for even more of us, and this is why the word orphan means so much to me, is because even though I may not truly be an orphan, I feel like one at times. I feel on my own. I feel left to figure it out by myself. I live uh, my life so much of the time distrustful, anxious, afraid, uh, feeling like uh, if I don't figure this out, no one will do this for me. Sort of life lived always like looking over my shoulder, you know, a, a life that's just sort of always assuming that you're not going to be able to trust in people to come through for you. You know, that's sort of just hard scar tissue that builds up around the heart. I don't know if that resonates with any of you. Um, Jesus somehow sensed in his disciples this fear, this sense of abandonment, of victimization, of feeling like, oh, I guess, like, I guess we're just being left alone now. And he's like, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. You're not orphans. You and I are not orphans. We belong in a family. We are a part of the holy family. We put up the icon every week when we're together, and it's probably been a while since a lot of you looked at it, but it's right here. And, it, and it's, it's a reminder every time we see it that this is ultimate reality. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gathered around table with an open seat that what God desires for you and me is fellowship, inclusion, that we're brought into it. Jesus wants you and me to understand in our bones that this, we don't have to figure this out by ourselves. He's, he's not abandoning us. We're not abandoned. We are not uh, orphans. Another way to think about it is it's almost like Jesus looks at, at us, those of us who's like, you know, we, we carry stress in our shoulders and, and he's just like, you can deep, uh, you can breathe deeply. You can relax. Someone's taking care of you. It's not up to you. You're safe. You're not an orphan. You are actually, Jesus says, you are a home for God. You are a house in which God lives. You are constantly populated with people. You're not alone. And then the third thing that Jesus says is that he will come to us. He will reveal himself to us and he does this through the Holy Spirit. He wants, he wants you and me to know that the, entire, the entirety of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, all of them are, are, are advocating for us, moving towards us in love. Jesus says, you will experience intimacy and love for my Father, and you will experience my love, and you will experience the advocacy of the Holy Spirit over you. He says, I will send another advocate, 
And the, the Greek word there is literally like another of the same kind. That's how, that's how it, he, he says it. So he's like, I, in other words, he said, I'm going to send you someone who fights for you as hard as I fight for you. But the difference, he says, is that this one will be in you and with you forever. Will not be like a, a body in a room like Jesus of Nazareth was, but like the active presence of God in me right now fighting, um, fighting for me. I think that so much of the difficulty in my life stems from my uh, resistance to let God guide me and lead me. I just think so much of the sense of, of loneliness or isolation or the desperation, so, so much of that just grows out of in me a resistance within me to let God be God, to let Jesus be King, to let him lead me uh, the way that he wants to lead me. And so much of that resistance grows out of the belief that God doesn't actually know what I need. And the reason that I'm resistant is because I don't, I just don't actually think God knows what I need sometimes. If, if he did, he would come through in different ways. He would provide for me in ways that were more meaningful or and Jesus is just speaking right against that. He's like, can you believe, can you imagine that the God of the universe is totally for you? For your happiness, for your joy. That this is what is most true. That the life that God is calling you and me to live is a life that is intended to give you and me freedom, not bondage options, not to restrict those. And to call us into a good story that our hearts were made for. Can you and I believe this? Again, this is what Jesus thinks people in desperate places need to hear. Can I believe him? Can I receive it as love? Can I let this be a word that is spoken to me right now as being the best love that maybe could be given? talked to a number of you throughout the week and you know, we're still staying connected through a lot of different ways. And one of the things that's just sort of prevalent in so many of our conversations is just these shared feelings right now of sort of boredom and fatigue and listlessness and frustration for some, panic for some and anxiousness, bitterness for some, anger. Um, anger at certain people, anger at certain ideas. There's just a lot of like heaviness that we're all, I think, collectively feeling right now as this continues on. We're waiting, waiting for what? We don't know what we're waiting for exactly. We don't know what the world's gonna be like when we get to it, but we, I think we're starting to get the sense that we're not gonna like it that much. We're not gonna like the world that's waiting for us on the other side of lockdown. I was reminded um, the last couple of weeks about something that we began in our church a year ago that we're going to do again. We're going to spend the 10 days uh, between Ascension Day, which is May 21st, uh, and Pentecost Sunday, uh, which is May 31st. So for the 10 days leading up to that, we're going to gather every morning on Zoom and pray. We did this last year, but not on Zoom, of course, because we actually could see each other, and that was, that was pretty cool. We're going to do that, though, because... I've reached a place in myself where I just recognize like I need, I need nothing less than the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on me. And just as the disciples after the ascension of Jesus gathered in an upper room and just sort of waited like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do if you don't come. 
I, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel that way. I feel that way about my own life. I feel that way about our church. I feel that way about mission in our city. And I do not believe that God is limited by geography or proximity. I do not believe that we need to wait until we are together once again for God to begin to heal our diseases and heal our broken hearts. I do not believe that racial justice just gets put on hold until we can all come out of our doors again and begin to do stuff. I think that the movement of God continues on, that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, that he is active and present, and he's building his church, and his spirit is as evident and as powerful today, even as we watch in our family rooms, as he was when we gathered in this space a year ago. And so we're going to gather for 10 days, and we're going to just, in a state of desperation, and like, a, I don't know what else to do in this moment, but we're going to call out to God and say, would you please come? Would you pour yourself out in fresh ways? Would you remind us that this is your world and that you are in charge and that you're good, that your intentions for us are motivated by love and freedom, that what you most desire in this world is peace and renewal, and you've called us to be co-laborers with you in that work. Would you just come Holy Spirit? We pray come Holy Spirit every week, and we do not do that because we think the Spirit has left, like the Holy Spirit comes and goes, and sometimes we're not sure if the Spirit is around. We pray that come Holy Spirit because we know there's more. Yes, the Holy Spirit is here right now, fully indwelling in me and you, but there is more. There's more to be experienced. There is more to know. There is more to know about Jesus that will, that will increasingly open me up to listen to him and trust him and follow him. And as I follow him, I will sense the Father's love and the Son's love and Jesus will come and reveal himself to me in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this is the thing that his disciples most need in an hour of uncertainty. This is what they are most needing. Maybe it is. Maybe it is what you and I need most right now. And so come Holy Spirit. Come in fresh ways. Come and pour yourself out of us. Make yourself known. Make Jesus known. We ask these things in his good name. Amen.